you're listening to episode 66 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Sunday, January 30th. Yeah. Right under the wire. Right under the wire. We got there. It's been, you know, I mm, I said this the other day on Twitter, I think, but like, what what is time? How is it? How? Yeah. How? How is it January 30th? Like, how? This month has gotten sucked into like this hole of, a, if you follow me on Twitter, you have saw that I was stuck on an Amtrak train for 36 oh hours. Oh my gosh. Um, in a huge snowstorm at the beginning of the month. And then we basically came back. And then um, daycare closed for two weeks for a COVID exposure. And we were like, wait, we haven't sent our child to daycare yet. <laughs> so like we like got like we came straight from that train debacle. And then we kept him home because they're like, you're not going to get back at five in the morning and then Go to send school. your poor child into daycare. And then that afternoon we got the notification that, oh, <laughs> And so that's closed. <laughs> yes. And so that was a that was a mess. And we're still like digging out from that. So I feel like it didn't really feel like the year started until like a week ago because I just I, I can't fathom how January is basically over. Yeah. Like I, I moved at the beginning of the, the yeah. year um, into a new apartment. And I, I just I really am just like, how? How, 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 yeah. how, yeah. what is time? Like what, what is it? Speaking of <laughs> Star Trek Picard trailer. <laughs> I like, Before I have a, like an existential crisis. <laughs> I was like, that's it. But that's a good transition because this Picard trailer is all about time. It is about time. Okay. So I played it. I've, I've only watched it twice and you mm-hmm. are so... Let's do an, a very brief explainer of some of the things. Because here's the thing. As a casual Star Trek yes. fan, when I watch it, I, I recognize pieces of And thanks to our, our watch of those Next Gen episodes, which were, if you have not kind of, uh, if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know what's going on in this trailer, but I'm excited about it. Swapna pulled together a really great list of Q episodes, because Q features quite heavily, um, yes. that we talked about in like October. That sounds about right. Um, so can you very briefly, like, maybe let's – the the biggest reveal, I think, in the trailer, could, could you speak to that? Yes. Okay, so the biggest reveal in the trailer is that Guinan is coming back. And so this is important because basically the premise of Picard appears to be, from what I can have gathered from all the trailer, everything that's been said about it so far, the premise of this season is that – humanity gets put on trial once again by Q or rather the trial never ended. Um, And this is about whether humanity deserves to exist or not. Um, And Picard wakes, basically from what I can tell, Picard's going to wake up and the timeline is going to be completely different and only him and his crew, from what I can tell his crew, but I'm not hundred percent certain, only him and his crew know that there's something different. Everybody else is acting like this is completely normal. So the there so the one person that he can go to who has some sense of so in the in the next generation yesterday next generation episode yesterday's enterprise which is one of the best of the like entire franchise so I highly recommend it um basically what happens is the enterprise C comes through a time rift and travels back something like 70 years uh, or travels forward something like 70 years, rather, and meets the Enterprise D, and the timeline completely changes. But Guinan is the one who 
goes to Picard and is like, I can't tell you why, but I can tell there's something not right about what is happening. And the Enterprise C does not belong here. So she she's a she's a race of what's called El Orians, and they have they're very long lived. They live like hundreds, if not thousands, of years. And she somehow has the ability to tell when the timeline isn't right. So it makes sense that if Picard woke up in this alternate timeline, he would go seek her out. And I think that's what her appearance is all about. So he can tell she can tell him basically, yes, no, this is not right, and here's what you need to do to fix it. And Guinan is uh, Libby Goldberg's character, mm-hmm. um, who I am not super familiar with, like, where she exists in the Star Trek, like, timeline. So she is kind of all over the place. Um, she is, like, so she first appears, I think, in the first season of the show. Like, she is a recurring character throughout all seven seasons. Oh, wow. She's the bartender on the Enterprise. Um, and, but she is also features heavily in the movie Generations, which generally is not great, but it, it all, it does reveal a lot about her character, her past. Um, and part of her whole thing is that she's a character that's like shrouded in mystery. Oh. Like, you know, she's an Elorian, you know, her species were decimated by the Borg. Um, but that's, and you know, there's, they're long lived, they're species of listeners, like, so, which bartender, she, you know, Hmm. she's very good at listening. A lot of characters go to her for advice. Um, but that's a lot, most of what we know about her is revealed in her conversations when she's trying to help other people. So. Do we think, like, based on this trailer, and obviously we don't know anything, but, it does seem like the first season is sort of going to – I don't know how much overlap we're going to be seeing from the, like, mainline story of the first season into the second season because it feels like they're – it didn't really seem like there was a mu- there was much from that other than, like, no. the Borg, obviously. Yeah, and I think the Borg are going to play a very different role in this season. I think this first season is meant to stand alone. Mm-hmm. And then the second season is oh. – um, I think there's going to be elements. I'm sure we'll talk about Picard being an android. I'm sure. I think I saw Brent Spiner in the um, trailer, so I think yeah, he's, but he's not not like back. Data. No, as like, like as old like, man Brent Spiner. As like <laughs> I can't remember. It's not Eric Sung. That's the that's the version of Brent Spiner has been in so many series as like a Sung, either a predecessor or a descendant. But um, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> but as the um, son of or of son. son not Khan Noonien Singh. <laughs> Noonien Sung. Like it is the names, the names. I never understand why those two names are so similar. But anyways, okay. Can you tell I'm a little bit tired? Okay. So, but yes, Picard looks really good. There's going to be time travel back to like, looks like the 21st-ish century. And I'm really excited about this I'm a little season. sad that we're not going to have hot emo Romulan, but that's okay. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, hot elf Romulan is still there. Yes. So fine, San- I guess. I can't, can't forget about Santiago Cabrera. Um, we'll never forget about yes. the Santiago's Cabrera. <laughs> Very excited. So that'll be uh, that comes out March, and we yep. will be covering it like a, episode not, ish by episode ish. Not yes, every single episode, but probably two to three at a time. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. What that's what we did last time, and it worked yep. pretty well. Yep. Um. Okay. So very very quickly, we uh, a movie dropped on Netflix. 
released about a week and a half ago called Definition Please, which Mm -hmm. was written, directed, and star like starring Sujatha Day. And we will have an interview up with Sujatha on Tuesday. Uh, And it it was really good. And she said a lot of really like cool, smart stuff, of course, like not surprising. Um, But if you haven't watched Definition Please, go check it out on Netflix. It's about this, like what happens when you win the Scripps National Spelling Bee when you're seven and you grow up and are kind of aimless and don't That's have... your peak, basically. Yeah, that's, that, that feels like your peak. And like, then what? Um, it's, it's smart. It's funny. And, and it does something... Like, there's a, there's a moment in the movie, and I talked to, to Sujata about this. I, like, almost started tearing up because it was one of the most authentic things I've ever seen. There's, like, a scene where they're doing a puja, which is, like, a prayer uh, in a... Hindu family or in a Jain family and like the priest is doing his thing and the older brother like leans over to his sister and is just like kind of like teasing and like talking a little bit of shit and it's irreverent and the mom like snaps at him and gets mad and it was just this like very real moment that I'd never seen on screen before it's really cool like there's a level of like the balance between like representation and authenticity like she hits it so well I'm so excited for people to watch this movie I can't. I've not watched it yet, but I'm really excited to watch it. Um, it's I've on been, Netflix. yeah, I've been knee deep in something else, which I will talk about in the what we're into. Um, and literally, like, I'm so embargoed, so there's very little I can say. But um, anyways, <laughs> more cool come. news. Cool news. There's a going to be a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. <gasps> yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. That was a really, really fantastic game. Um, I'm actually very excited generally about the video games coming out of the Star Wars universe, minus the one that's made by the anti-LGBTQ studio, which I'm not a fan of that. But um, generally speaking, like the remake of KOTOR and they announced a couple of other games. It just, it seems like they are going a little heavier into um, video games like they were like, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, which was really cool, so... And it's, it's, they're taking, like, Jedi Fallen Order was a great narrative. Yes. Like, the story was so good. And I think yes. you and I both really, really love narrative-driven games. Exactly. Um, I think the only complaint I had about Jedi Fallen Order is that it was too short. It was very short. It's a very short game. So hopefully, like, excited for this one to be longer, maybe? Yes. I would love for this to be longer, a little more expansive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I think... Fallen Order was like 20 hours maybe? It was it was really sh- I remember it being very very short. Um but they had all these wonderful characters and worlds and like the fights were fun and it was just it may it, it was just such a fun exciting game to experience. Yeah. Um so I'm looking forward to seeing more of Cal and more of BD1. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then um it looks like the new Lord of the Rings series has a title. It's called Rings of Power. Mhm. And it has a, you know, very odd trailer. Teaser? Like a very, like... That's just basically someone reading. It's like the intro, kind of the intro to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but it's not. That voice is no offense to the person doing the voice. I'm not trying to insult them, but it is no Kate Blanchett. No, it's not Kate Blanchett. And there's not, there's their little gravitas is missing from that voice. (laughs) And it was just like, okay. I know I did see someone said, like, I, I wish I could remember who said it. It was like a joke on Twitter. I think they were like, hey, Alexa, read the title. Yeah. The new Lord of the Rings series. It was <laughs> just not the choice I would have made, but I'm excited for this series. Um, I'm, which- I'm, 
waiting. I feel like I don't even know. I'm just, I, I was thinking back to like our rewatch. Mm-hmm. Which we are going to do. We're going to finish. We've talked to Greg about it. We're going to do Return of the King. We this are. This year. This year, 2022 is the year of Return of the King. <laughs> when did we do the original one? 2019? 2019? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that should be Actually, our earlier. five-year anniversary like- thing. Yeah, five, so February is the fifth anniversary of Daisy Geek Girls, which is banana pants yeah um i actually think it was 2018 maybe because i was in i was in brooklyn at the time it was a long time ago. it was a long time ago um but i remember talking about like the extended lore and you and greg are like so into (laughs) and you were just like So, so I, I'm hesitant until I like see something for this Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah, I no, I get idea. it. I love I, the idea of people who are like, yes. Like I just, I, I just wore Lord of the Rings. Like I'm one of those people I that know. the Hobbit movies, notwithstanding, because those were really bad. More Lord <laughs> of the Rings is better. <laughs> and like with what Amazon has done with Wheel of Time, I have it gives me some faith that they're going to hire good people, good, mm-hmm. good storytellers. Also, is part of it. Um, and the the story of the Silmarillion, the book itself is kind of a drag, but like there are really brilliant bits in it, and I think they're picking a brilliant bit to tell. I am I am excited to talk about it. I think once it once it gets going, yeah. And I think the re- uh, release is like something like September twenty second. So um, if the rest of the year passes like January did, it's going to be like oh my three god, more no, days. don't even say I it. <laughs> Time. Um. All right. Actually, let's do let's do so. Uh, let's go here first, okay? Because something pretty big happened in the world of comics this week, which is that Saga came back. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples' um, Saga series started in 2012. I want to say something like that. And too much. It's so good. It's the art is amazing. This the story is so interesting, and it became this like phenomenon, like just sort of like. You know, it's it's difficult for, especially even at the time, for non-cape comics, non-big two comics to break out into the public consciousness. So, like, you're you're fighting against so yeah. many eyes. And Saga managed to do it. It's an image book. It's creator-owned. Um, and it just became this thing. And they went on for six years until 2018. Ongoing story. And then just had to take a break. And so it's been on a hiatus for almost four years, like for three and a half years, and they finally came back with a new issue this week, and I'm so excited. I want to do, like, a reread. Yeah. Me too. Like, it's... uh, And we said this is issue 55 that just came out, so there are 54 issues to read, which isn't that many in comics terms, right? Yeah. Um, But maybe we can talk about it coming back. Maybe we can, because I think I've got got the hardcover volumes, and I think I've got, Mm -hmm. like, three of them, and I think that... like the big like omnibus hardcovers yeah that's a good amount that's like at least 30 issues yeah so um i need to go back and look and see if they released a fourth one i never um i never i I read it in issues for a while and Mm -hmm. then just got overwhelmed by like everything and then stopped and so i am definitely not caught up either i i read through issues and then obviously like paused when it paused um yeah, I have to. I don't even know where anything is anymore, so it's like gonna have to go back and like refine all those issues and, and whatever. But it's so 
it was just like the characters were so fascinating and the world was so big and like new like it truly felt like novel which was which was very cool um and so hopefully more to come from us on on saga when we both get caught up and yes. return to that world um and now I think this is a good time to talk about. Yeah. So, okay. So the Hugo Awards nominations are out. If you're unfamiliar, the Hugos are a big SSF, SFF and fantasy awards. Um, and if you are a, me- I believe you have to be a member. Do you have to be a member to nominate? I think anyone can nominate, I think anyone actually. Can I think nominate. anyone can nominate. Uh, you have to be a member to vote. But if uh, their nominations are open for the Hugo Awards, I think they're open until about like mid-March. But uh Swordstone Table is eligible this year for best, I think, like, it's, like, best anthology work. But there's also, but even more than that, there's awards for best short fiction. So if there's a story you loved from Swordstone Table, I would love it if um, you were still inclined. Um, nominate our, one of our, or more of our writers for the best short fiction award because I think they deserve it and they were really good. And this feels very weird to be plugging like this, but yes, they deserve it. So oh, just wait, because I'm just going to remind everyone that my short story in the book was called Once Them and Future Us. Should yes. you wish to nominate for yes. Hugo Award? <laughs> Listen, this is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, all right, so now to the sort of like main topics, which I realize we didn't say at the top of the episode, yes. uh, but we're going to be talking about just overall Peacemaker because we're both like have dipped our toes into it, the Wheel of Time season finale, and we both finally watched The Eternals because it yes. was on Disney Plus. Finally. <laughs> okay, so starting with Peacemaker, this is, I mean, this is just very bare bones discussion of like, you know, if you're not sure on the show, I... I would give it a chance. I was not. And we just kind of were randomly scrolling and saw that it was out. And we're like, okay, let's watch it. I actually thought it was a movie at first. And then I was like, oh, it's a show? Okay, let's watch it. And oh my God, it's actually very funny. It's very, very funny. It's so the the suicide, it's a continuation of uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Re, not reboot, I guess, but like association. Sequel-ish. Uh, sequel-ish. Uh, that came out last summer, which was surprisingly fun. And, you know, I have my opinions on the first Suicide Squad movie, which is that it had so much potential. There were moments of greatness within it and just didn't quite stick the landing. Yes. Um, here, I feel like, you know, Gunn's a fun filmmaker. He He's good at what he does. And this is and, – and John Cena is such a freaking delight. He really is. Like, I just, even if you didn't really love his character from the Suicide Squad movie, and you don't have to have watched the movie. They no, recap what you need to know. You don't. Um, and even if you didn't love the character, because I, I thought the character was funny in the movie, but I was like, I'm not really super interested in watching a whole show set around him. But it is actually, it's pretty great. Like... I don't laugh at every joke, but I laugh out loud at least mul- uh, like multiple times an episode, which it doesn't happen a lot these days. Yeah, he it, it's a I, I've only seen the first episode, um, which I watched last night, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like it's clever, it's the the cast is great. Like it's got a, a very wide cast in addition to John Cena, mm-hmm. um, and I'm very curious to see where it goes. That's where I was kind of not nervous, but I was. I was just like, what are they going to do? Like, how are they going to balance a narrative story, which sort of like the trailer highlighted the bizarreness of it and the like hyper uh, 
like comedy sort of randomness. And I was like, how are they going to balance like a story with this? Yes. Yeah. No, right? I agree. Like there was, it wasn't going to be all style, flash and style. Exactly. Was there actually going to be something? And there is actually something, the story, I'm three episodes in, so I'm not fully caught up. Uh, but it's story is actually very interesting. And it's got some really, I don't know if you're there yet, so I'm not going to say too much, but it's got some really kind of peacemaker having to coming to come to terms with himself scenes mm-hmm. which is really welcome and good because you know he's not exactly the best person nope <laughs> so it's nice that they're aware of that and <laughs> that is part of the narrative i just feel like john cena's face when yes. when they close he's so good at this of this sort of like like the on the cusp of internalization. Like he's not there. Yeah. But there are these like brief moments that like flash across his face of like, should I like almost like, should I think about this deeper? Nah. Like exactly. So good. I'm so excited to keep going with it. It is. It's genuine. It's genuinely like it's, it's fantastic. Like I, I think what you need to know about John Cena is he apparently did all of the publicity for the suicide squad with his peacemaker outfit on. One of my favorite things that's yeah. ever happened. And like, I think he brings that to the show and like he brings it all. Like, like if you're not, and if you're still not sold after what we've said, just wa- like Google like a YouTube clip of the opening credits. Yes. And that are... will tell you whether this is a show. That's true. I think we talk, we talk about this with other stuff, but there is when you can tell that the per- the people involved, like, thoroughly enjoy the thing that they are doing it comes across on screen and it it's you know contagious that joy and excitement is contagious and you see that in this show I think yes I completely agree I I definitely recommend if you have HBO Max it is worth watching the first episode (laughs) and just checking it out uh, all right, now on to – I'm so excited about this conversation. Yeah, a we're month gonna, late. A month but... late, but, you know, we're here. Um, the Wheel of Time finale, uh, what did you think? Like, what okay. were your thoughts? We're going to go straight to spoilers here. Um, I was really wrong about Rand, man. <laughs> were you laughing in your head every time? I was like, Rand's not the dragon reborn. I Rand's like... not the dragon reborn. <laughs> And I, I was, was like, just fuck, so Rand's the dragon reborn. <laughs> I have to eat my words on the podcast. I loved it. I loved, like, so the last time, we have to talk about the last two episodes, right? Because we didn't talk about seven or eight, I believe. No, I think we did seven. Did we talk about seven? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I love, I loved, I, it's so funny because that was such a sticking point for me as a book reader watching the show of, like, why are you dragging out this mystery that is like not a mystery in the book okay like in the book it is super clear from the get-go because the first book is like 90 percent rand pov okay there are very brief asides for other characters but like it's it's all rand all the time okay and the show i think did a good job of obfuscating that of like you know, we get brief moments of Rand, almost to the point where I, when I was talking to other people, they're like, it's got to be Rand, right? Because they're just like, not, they're not, there's not enough of him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, they were saying yeah. like, it's a deliberate thing. Yeah. His character wasn't, he had to have something. His character wasn't developed enough. Like, <laughs> I, it's so funny because I love, like, Rand makes choices in the books that get very frustrating and very mm-hmm. irritating, but, 
early early uh the early part of the series he's he's just a kid and i think the show handles that really well with all of them of like mm-hmm. he's they're just kids thrust into extraordinary circumstances who are trying their best essentially mm-hmm. and you because the books are so heavily rand pov early on you you just feel for him because he's so lost and he's so scared and he's trying so hard and i do think that yosha stradowski did like a really good job like yeah. giving that so i had a, some issues with the finale and um it was basically there was so much information packed yes. into that finale i feel like it should have been maybe two episodes and i think they wanted to do a 10 episode first they season and only got eight um, and you can, this episode was so, and one thing that overwhelms me in like world building and SFF fantasy, and you know, this is why sometimes I have trouble with Cape comics. It's because I need, like one thing I have trouble with is, am I supposed to not get what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. is that part of the mystery or did I miss something in world building or do right. I not have a piece of information? I didn't, is there something I didn't pick up on? And this episode was moving so fast is that I felt like there was a lot of stuff I wasn't picking up on because it moved really fast. And right. so that was, it took me a while and a lot of conversations with you to kind of sort out the difference between what I wasn't supposed to know and what I, what I just missed. Um, and so, yeah, so that was like one of my, that was this was the first episode of the show. I was like, I didn't love that episode, but only because of that. I loved the story it told. It's mm-hmm. just, it felt very choppy and sometimes hard to understand. Well, they, the focus was interesting for me of what they decided to focus on and what they decided to spend the limited amount of time on. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. we needed so many battle scenes. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, I feel like that, I, it, I didn't understand the point of it because they could have accomplished what they were attempting to do there in a a smaller amount of time. Um, I also think there were issues with whatever happened with, with Matt's recasting Yes, because it felt, and I think we did say this last time where it felt very much like he was meant to be there. Like the, the entire scene um, at the end with Pat and Thane and Perrin and Loyal Mm should have like Thane is, with his obsession with the dagger is set up as a foil for Matt. Mm-hmm. And so it was strange that he was talking to Perrin who doesn't have too much to do with whatever pain, like uh Fane is doing. Um, and so Perrin unfortunately ends up feeling very inert because he doesn't have a ton going on except for this continue, this continuation of like the trauma, which is like, um, and so I do feel like there were some, there's something happening where, where, Matt should have been there because I hate, I hate, hate, hate this idea of like one of you has to be dark and then cut to Matt. Like, no, mm-hmm. Matt yes. Calvin is not dark in his heart. He is a good boy. Uh, um, <laughs> speaking of, it looks like he went back to the city, right? Remember he, that right? Yeah, I think he's in Tar. He's in Tar Valen. Tar Valen. Oh, oh, you know, yeah. Okay, no. So that was one of the things I was confused about. It looked like he went back to like the ghost city, and you were like, no, no, no. He's in Tar Valen. Yeah, he's in Tar Valen. Um, it was a very strange cut and I, it's probably because they were using like old footage. I, yeah, I agree. Um, but it was just, uh, the, the implication, the narrative implication, if we are looking at like narrative tradition yeah. by saying like, one of you has to go to dark, like one of you will go dark, cut to Matt, Matt goes dark, like, and like yeah. has darkness in their hearts to like maintain the balance, like is absurd because there is so much 
darkness that exists already in the world that like I don't understand why that yeah. was said. Like yeah. I just I don't understand. It's like that in Star Wars where like they keep like it's all they keep talking about like the main character is going to go dark and you're like that's never going to actually happen. Like yeah. Like because and but in this case it's like are they trying to put that in there to to create drama which they don't really need to do cuz story is dramatic enough. Yeah, exactly. So like I I don't know. I hope I will see like they're they're greenlit for seasons 2 and 3. Yeah. Um so we'll see what they decide to do and we'll see what the new actor comes in with Matt and what that does to his story to have somebody else yeah. in it. Um but yeah, that was a that was a big sticking point for me. Um and I there was another thing that I I wanted to mention because there's this moment like they've done such a good job with with uh Nynaeve, right? Yes. Like so good. Um I love the changes they brought to her story cuz they gave her a source for her anger versus just sort of like frustratingly angry for no discernible reason against the Aes Sedai in the books. But there's a moment where she she is the one who tells Lan how to find Moiraine, right? Yeah. I don't understand why they took away this notion that she could track Lan mm-hmm. by saying it was about Moiraine, where they took something away from her and I didn't understand why. Oh. Where she was like, I didn't actually track you. No, I, I know what you're hers, talking about, right? but how how is it taking away if she's well, able to track Moraine instead of Lan? Because by having it be Lan, like that was Lan's surprise, right? Like Lan yeah. was like, how did you track me? And it 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 provided this immediate sense of equality between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Of like, no, she is up at your level. She has surprised you by being at that level. Um, and that's like in the books, she tracks them. Like, mm-hmm. But in the show, by it was like she needed to like give him that to make him. It was like that thing where it's like girls pretend to be yeah. less smart than they are to okay. like get guys to like them. I see and, what you're saying, right? That's what it. I'm not saying that's what it is, but like that's what it felt like. Yeah, in the moment, and it just felt unnecessary in a show that has otherwise done such a wonderful job. Yeah, right. I see what you're saying. Okay, so yeah. like, no, I see. Uh, um, but the show ended. This episode ended with 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 Moiraine no longer having acts. She can't. No, she doesn't have magic anymore. I'm so stressed. Yeah, that is that was a, that. I did not expect that. That was a doozy. Um. <gasps> yeah, I I I mean, I'm assuming at some point she has to get them back. But like. I yeah, I have my like theories about what's coming. I'm I, just like Rosamund uh, Pike is executive producer, so she's not going to just be sidelined for the rest of the series. You know? <laughs> like Maureen isn't gonna be sidelined using that logic. But uh yeah, that was really surprising. Um oh, so stressful. Yeah, and then just it was super interesting to see like it was super interesting. It was interesting to see how powerful one thing the battle scenes did do i did agree with you they didn't need to be that many but it shows how powerful just a few women yes who can access the source can be yes because they fought off an entire army it killed Mm -hmm. most of them but they did yeah and then Egwene healing uh nynaeve at the end which i think was an important point that was an important character moment for uh um which i think we'll see 
explored in the next season is my guess yeah i think we have heard we've had we've had ghosts and whispers kind of of 90 or of Egwene's power mm-hmm. but this was the first like hands-on like time we see it i think if i remember correctly the major power yes yeah because we've seen her ingenuity yeah. i think um but not because we haven't seen it in the same way we've seen Nynaeve's level of power. We exactly. haven't seen Egwene sort of like, and there's been that. like the way Nynaeve is. I Nynaeve genuinely loves Egwene for who she is, but the way she's yeah. interested in her, like, but also you can tell the way she's interested in her. It's like you've got a lot of power, and I need to, you know, I want you to to help you figure it out. Type. Mm-hmm. There's also that. Like, it's not just like I'm not saying like if Egwene didn't have power, Nynaeve wouldn't be. You know you know it's like a mentor friends with her yeah but like there's also that and so if Nynaeve has that much power she must see something in Egwene as like whatever and so there's been like hints and whispers of like oh like she has a lot of power but um yeah so this is the first kind of like raw power we've seen from her so that was very cool and I I agree with you Perrin is still just freaking running around aimlessly so I'm hoping they do more (laughs) with him in season two yeah they took away they I, I understand why they did it because of the limited amount of time they had, but there's a major storyline with the wolves that happens in the books because there is a specific character who exists to guide Perrin mm-hmm. that they cut out of the series. Um and so we just get that like moment with the wolves in the white the white cloak camp. Um and not a further exploration of that i don't totally understand why we didn't get a further exploration of that specific Mm -hmm. aspect and why it turned into that weird triangle thing and the like all this other stuff like and it became about his indecision which like fine it just felt like they didn't know how to like merge parent's story with the others yeah that yeah it makes it, it was it was it's a little rough like he's still the one now like rand has like his thing because he's the dragon reborn and <laughs> I, i'm resentful oh no it, no now looking back i can see it and i think that we were supposed to like be i think the um i think i wanted it to be a woman of color like i, I think that's also co- coloring i wanted it to be a Gwaine or naive because i i wanted it i kind of i just wanted them to be the a woman of color to be the chosen one so that was probably also coloring my my interpretation <laughs> of like they were giving us clues and hints along the way and i was just like no no <laughs> no um but so he left yes. rand left because he's worried he's gonna go mad and turn against his friends mm-hmm. after defeating the dragon reborn um but that's not the end according after to, defeating the dark one yeah after de- sorry yeah, after defeating the dark one but according to who was it who told them that it's not over it, well, Moiraine says at the very end, this was just uh, the beginning. Because uh, the horn yeah. hadn't sounded, right? The horn has not sounded. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the horn because that was a little bit unclear. So the horn of the Lear is meant to be blown at the battle, the true end of the battle, the true battle against the Dark One. And all the heroes of yore will come and ride to the aid of whoever blows it. It is when that horn gets blown in the books is one of my favorite, favorite moments. So I was like, I was a little worried that they were going to blow it in this episode. And I was like, they better not. 
Because they haven't introduced enough of the characters that you like yet, or they haven't. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but it was it would have absolutely taken that moment away, okay. like a hundred percent. And there's this whole I don't know what they're gonna do in the show, but there's this whole through line. the The horn is like a mythic thing in the books, and uh, there's this whole series of people who go on the hunt for the horn of valer mm-hmm. they're they're all mm-hmm. hunters and they travel rumor and and legend and all that stuff in the books they find the horn at the eye of the world okay they find like the horn they find broken seal uh and they find a banner for the dragon um because all of them go so like that's a huge huge difference right in the okay. show it's just random moiraine which i actually mm-hmm. quite liked in terms of their relationship building and the conversations they were able to have and the character study we got on both of them. But it did mean we they had to move the horn from the eye to like being buried in Shinar, which like fine. I don't really care about that. Um, but now that's gonna kick off season two, I think. Right. With now Pat and Fane has the horn, and so they have to get the horn back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that was an interesting revelation because it's like, wait, what what because you knew that was the case you knew this is going to be a long story and Mm -hmm. like they can't just end it at the end of the first season but that was also like oh like oh shit like yeah just just getting started and then we saw at the very end a glimpse of i don't even know what we saw like the huge wave (sighs) cresting and then these people on boats Mm -hmm. with it looks like women who were channeling but they were captives like i'm not really sure that was very interesting this i am very curious how they're going to handle this because that was a group called the senshan mm-hmm. and it is something jordan was attempting to make to do some subversion in the series but it is immensely problematic okay. um so I'm very curious to see how the show is going to handle it. Okay. But the Senshan in the books are essentially colonizers. Okay. And so we'll see, like, they're murderous. They're, there's, like, I – it's not my favorite. It's not okay. my favorite, like, okay. aspect. Um, so I'm I'm very curious. But, like, because what the, sh- the show has done a good job of taking some of those more problematic aspects of the books and modernizing them. Like, they haven't done – like an like a perfect job but they have pulled things forward and so i think they're being very thoughtful about how they present these things yeah so i i don't know i think that's did we miss anything i I mean i could go on a great great length about this So, uh, I, but I think for our purposes, if you don't have any more questions, then I think no, we, I think... we, we did what we came here to do. Yeah. I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm good. Um, but, but... That was, it was a really good first season. Very, very good first season. Right. I think, I thought so among too. some of the best in like SFF, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm really excited to see where it goes from here and I'm hoping we don't have to wait like two years for the next season, but we probably will. Well, they're filming now. Okay. They're, they're already filming the second season. So I actually think we'll probably get it around the same time that the first season dropped. I don't, I I don't think we'll be waiting. Cause I also think that they understand they don't have the, they don't have the, um, viewer loyalty yet. Yeah. That, 
would allow for a much longer break. Yeah. And so my guess is they're going to like get through because they've been filming the second season for the last few months already. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, they were basically ready to go as soon as the renewal came through. Yes, I believe so. Um, and so we'll see. I'm I'm really excited to see where they go with it. I'm like hopeful because there is clearly such a care and love for the story on the part of the creators and kind of everyone involved. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited too. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, all right. Now we're going to talk about Eternals. (laughs) Eternals. Okay. Over, over, over view of what your thoughts are. Non-spoilery. Non-spoilery. I liked it. I did not love it. Um, I, there was a lot, there were a lot of issues that I think could have been solved by turning it into like a six episode series rather Mm -hmm. than doing it as a movie. I would agree with that. I, I think my we we talked about this, but I think like the biggest complaint I had was that I wished it was two movies. Yeah. Like one for setup like very guardians, right? One for setup of who they are and then going deeper into the story versus trying to do origin and deep story all in one film. Yeah. Um I think my it, it was just Okay, so now getting into spoilery. <laughs> um the focus on Icarus and Cersei. Cersei, yeah, was every other pairing of characters was more interesting than them. Yes. And and I like Cersei a lot, I will say. I did like her, but like Icarus was boring and the (laughs) I'm sorry. Like he was. And like I I would have loved a focus like on any other pairing of characters. I yeah, I will say like I felt that um Fina and yeah. uh, Gil were kind of my f- actually sort of and and Makari and Druig were my favorites of the entire yes. cast. It's such a this is where it comes down to right is it's such a big cast and so they, and a really good cast and too. a really good cast like everyone was very good in their roles uh, but it felt like they were using because it was such a uh, limited again a limited amount of time they had they had to use shorthand for why we should care about some of these characters yeah and so for Cersei and Icarus it was the you know lovers torn apart and the romance and uh, and it, it just it didn't work for me yeah um that specific aspect of it yeah you know it's it's weird because I actually I love Gemma Chan I love Richard Madden um I <laughs> I thought Gemma Chan and Kit Harrington had like a million times more chemistry yes. for whatever reason. Yes, I right? agree. So uh, yeah, it was like it was frustrating that that was the focus, but I thought it's it's a tall order and I think if we hadn't already seen what Marvel can do with an unknown team of characters. Yes. Because like before Guardians of the Galaxy came out, nobody knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy like the same with Iron Man before yeah. Iron Man came out the movie like nobody cared about Tony Stark yes right like comic yeah. obviously comics are but like mass mass audience wise yeah like people wouldn't have been able to tell you what the character's like name was yeah. I feel like uh, it, like like his Tony Stark I mean not Iron Man right but this and granted Chloe Zhao had a tall order here because yeah. it's twice the number of people as Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But, like, 
I just wanted them to have more time. I keep coming yeah. back to it. Like, we just kept getting told that Icarus and Cersei were this, like, epic love story. And it's like, okay, I need to see it. Yeah. I need to understand. I, it's not just, like, we got a couple of hints of it here and there in their, like, flashbacks or whatever. Um, But I, yeah, I, and, like, I would have loved to see, like, we kept getting told Thena was this amazing fighter and... It's just, we didn't get to see enough. We just yeah. were, because they didn't have time, we were just told a lot. And mm -hmm. it just wasn't as effective as I think I could have been. I think we could have also delved a lot more into like the celestial yeah. titan, all that mythology. Because it's super relevant to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think we could have done, and I, I it's that's not to say like, as, I don't think they're saving it for the future. I think it's just like, they told us what they're going to tell us and then let's move on because there's a lot of story to tell. Yeah. And there's a lot we could have delved into there. And clearly it's going to it's gonna keep being important because, you know, we met Eros, mm -hmm. who is uh, Thanos' brother. Harry Styles. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it's, uh, like, and I hate, like, I don't want to be completely negative. I did actually like the movie. I liked the characters a lot, and yeah. I just wish we had gotten more. Uh, I think if I think for I speak for both of us when I say the post credit scenes were the things that made us the most excited. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Kit Harrington is clearly going to be back as mm -hmm. this. Uh, I've already forgotten what the name of the like hero is because this is not a character I am familiar. Yes, with it's like they they're getting basically it's Marvel King Arthur stuff. Yeah, it's a, like, like knight. Yep, yeah. right. He has like an evil not sword. Moon Knight. No, not Moon Knight. Not Moon Knight. Uh, not Moon Knight. Like a like a King Arthur. It's not a it's King like Arthur knight, but, but it's, it yeah, but, but it's, it's like it's basically like yeah. King Arthur. Like that's it's it's Marvel's take on like the King Arthur legend is in my opinion from what I know about it, which is honestly not much. But this is what Marvel has, right? Marvel has this like deep, deep, deep like cavern of characters to yeah. pull, and it's just how well that can they make us all care about them? And here. Yeah. I loved, like I said, I love Thena and Gil. I love Makari and Druig. Like I liked Cersei. I I liked, I I liked Salma Hayek's character. Like, yes, I, I did too. There was like there was a lot of. It comes back to again. There's so much potential, and obviously these characters are going to be back because of the that post first or second post credit sequence with Eros, and seeing how it's going to like pull into um, the wider universe at large like now we have Thena and Makari and Druig uh and is Brian no Brian Tyree Henry's character is out there it's just mm -hmm. the three of them I think we're so. in that spaceship um in space which is mm -hmm. also where we know Captain Marvel is exactly and that's where we know um this we know Sam uh Nick Fury is there oh right right I forgot Nick Fury is on sword Yes, a sword somewhere out there. So we're starting to get, like, this is all, it's clearly all building to whatever, I don't even remember what phase number we're on of Marvel. I'm not even sure they're doing Bye. phases anymore. But we're clearly building to some sort of big space thing, and these characters are all going to start interacting, and, you know, it, it's going to be really cool to bring them in to kind of the larger fold. What's kind of nice is... So, like, forthcoming, right? So, we had last year Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what came out in 2021. Some of those are contributing to that, like, larger story. Like, obviously, like, Shang-Chi's coming back. Like, Eternals, 
all these like TV shows are going to be involved. Spider-Man, I think they're pulling back down to earth, which I'm very excited about. Like Spider-Man is one where I think, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I nothing has been announced. Like, I think Tom Holland just did an interview where they were like, so what's next? And he's like, I genuinely don't know, which, yeah. who knows? Everybody lied to everyone during that freaking press tour. But without spoiling anything, because you haven't seen the movie yet, I do think there is a, what they ended up doing in No Way Home was – reasserting spider-man into his own world which is a big issue i've had with the spidey movies i think that's good too like we've talked we talked i think the last episode we were talking about charlie cox's daredevil like we need like the street level heroes Yes. yes because as much as like we love these massive big crossovers and we talked about how like marvel movies now are entering not now but like for the last several years have been entering that scope of like where comics can feel overwhelming where it's like yeah. how do you even how do you even like enter the MCU do you have to watch 22 movies yeah right plus do, like you know four tv shows like that's so much yeah or can you go into it and have a good time i think with something like these like like i think you can watch black panther without necessarily knowing stuff i can i think you can watch you know there are these like moments that you can watch but you can't watch avengers infinity war no no (laughs) no so it's i this is a rambly way to say it but it's like where are they gonna go with something like the eternals yeah where what happened in the movie the eternals will have ramifications across the mcu right presumably right 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 right. i'm like i don't i don't know i i don't know but so many people and so many characters. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. And like with like Moon Knight coming out this March, Ms. Marvel coming out later this year, She-Hulk yeah. coming out later this year. Yeah. What am I forgetting? I don't even know. Right. I, I don't even know. Like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness oh, right. is coming out. Yes. There's got to be at least one more movie coming out, right? Uh, Blade. Is that coming out this year? At some year? point? No, that's not coming out this year. That I don't even know if that's filming actually yeah. yet. Black Panther 2 was filming. I actually don't know if they've come back to filming yet because yeah. they had to take a break because of injuries. COVID. Yeah, or COVID, or COVID, I think. Yeah, I something. Um, this is where this is the problem, right? Where you're just yeah. like, there's so many things. And even yeah. though I said that thing about Spider-Man, right? Of like, Spider-Man is being pulled back to Earth. He's like, we're, we're maybe going to get a street level hero with him. I don't know. But Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, I my guess is you will have had to watch No Way Home. Yes. In addition to WandaVision. Yeah. In addition to What If. Yeah. The, the cartoon, which is so good. But also, yeah. like, in addition to that, to get the full scope of what is happening and, in And the that. second Spider-Man, too. Because I feel like you have to watch the second Spider-Man to understand the third Spider-Man. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. Yes. Not it's, that I've seen the third side, Norman, but that's my guess. Yes. It's just, it's it's sort of the opposite of this, like, Peacemaker TV show yeah. where you were like, you don't have to watch a Suicide Squad because they you give just, you, like, a recap, quick recap. And then you just sit down and watch it. And then you just watch the show and it's yeah. fine. Um, because that's true. Like, it's, it's, 
it's I don't know. It's I'm very curious to I would love to like be able to sit in on like story meetings. Yeah. Right. Where they're discussing the scope of story. And because that's as we've said many times on this on this podcast, like something I am obsessed with. Right. Like mass storytelling. How do you pull it together? And I think I think um, one thing that's important to note is Marvel and Disney, like you, they don't care. Like I think to a certain extent, yes, they care, but to a certain extent, they don't. They're like we expect most people who are watching these movies to have watched all of them. Yeah, and we're just going to tell the story we want to tell. DC doesn't have that luxury because not as many people have bought into the DC expanded universe. So they have to be in some ways a lot more creative with their storytelling and the way they're telling True. stories. True. That's a good point because it's there's a line about I think DC what's kind of nice is they do have to be more creative but they are also allowing themselves to tell isolated stories which Marvel is doing. Yeah. Um I think Marvel DC more. I think Marvel DC in some ways have benefited from being the underdog on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't always been. I don't want to care because like their cartoons are just they're so, so good. Yeah, but like in terms <laughs> of just like the like the cinematic universes, DC is a little bit of the underdog to Marvel, and so they can be more creative because they they like okay, we have to you know we have to be a little more creative and work a little harder to get people to watch what we want them to watch. And I or, think they're, like, they're limiting. I mean, not limiting themselves, but they are like. Like I, I watched Shazam and it was a good time. It was like a fun movie. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna watch that Robert Pattinson Batman movie. Yeah. It looks like it's gonna be bananas, but I'll watch it. I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> but I'm not gonna feel like if they're. It's like how I approach comics sometimes, where it's mm-hmm. like if when you're reading comics, there will inevitably be things you don't understand. Yeah. Right. Like there will be references. There will be like because you know I'm reading all those like. Uh, Robin comics right now like I've which I have been doing and they're definitely like I read through like the Robin War and Grayson and like Nightwing and all these things and then I moved on to like Red Robin and then I went back and reread the Robin War because I was like oh I have a deeper understanding of Tim Drake now there are things that I like didn't pick up on in my first read but I just bypassed it like if I didn't understand it I was like whatever I'm sure this makes sense yeah (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. and I think DC allows for that of like yes. if there's like a reference you don't get you're just kind of like okay yes yeah. it's not inherent like it's not it's not necessary ne- like to the plot so whatever you might miss the punchline of a joke you're not yes. gonna miss fundamental understanding of the story yeah yes thank you for saying it <laughs> succinctly <laughs> that's what I'm here for <laughs> Uh, this was this got away from this Eternals yeah. conversation got away yeah. from yeah <laughs> I think but I think it is I think it is a good I think Eternals is a really good example to talk about like kind I think it is a good example to talk about what's going on with the MCU because yeah. it, like it's kind of the poster child for it could have been a lot better but they needed to serve it it's they needed it to serve a particular yes. purpose to continue to like usher in like storytelling to not take this to the next level but like to they needed to tell the story they needed to tell for whatever reason yes no you're right I think that's a a really good way of putting it where it's like it's like I know people it's so funny because I feel like a lot of the criticism I saw for the movie was that it was slow I did not feel it was slow at all I was actually like 
it was it was almost like too it was too much plot for me and too little time. Yeah. Um I yeah, I don't know. You know what we we have not though uh talked about Kingo and I feel oh, like Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> per what our our podcast is, we should talk about um, We should Kamal. talk about Kamel. <laughs> and uh, he did a great job. I mean, I I was I I I I was very under confused why they sidelined him right before the final battle. That was strange. I agree. Um, I wish he'd been able to kind of have his hero moments. There is something I wanted to talk about. So Kingo uh, is a Bollywood star. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like the the ratio of English to Hindi in that Bollywood song should have been uh, flipped. I was but very like, confused by that Fine. <laughs> um, fine, whatever. I wanted to talk about uh, Karun, mm-hmm, Harish Patel, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. right? Harish Patel, who is Kingo's sort of like body man, is yeah. like number two. And it's been, so Iron Man came out in 2008. Eternals came out in 2021. In 2008, there's Hindi in the first, bi- in the first Iron Man movie, spoken exclusively by the terrorists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's this, I, re- I remember sitting in the theater and being like, Oh, cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in Eternals, we have Harish Patel, who is an Indian actor. He's not an Indian-American actor. He's an Indian actor um, speaking. He he says his goodbye speech in Hindi. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt, it was just this like really wonderful moment yeah. for me where I was like, oh, this is, there's like a relief to it and it's it's not like it's like the most important thing in the world or anything like that but it was like you know they made a lot of talk there was like a lot of talk about representation and a lot of talk about like you know representation can't fix everything it's it cannot be the linchpin upon which we like put all of our hopes yeah um but it does impact the viewing experience absolutely yeah this is like oh this is for me yeah like this was a moment. I am I am a, I am a person they had in mind when they created this versus, you know, not. It was a it was a moment of I even hate to use the word validation. Like I don't yeah. that's not what I mean, but you felt recognition. Included. Yeah. Like in, you felt included. You felt catered to. Yes, in a way like, that very rarely happens. Yes. And I think that's important. And I think that's what we talk about a lot when we talk about representation. Like, I want to be the person you have in mind when you're creating this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it works out very nicely like that. Yeah. So there, there. I think uh, we didn't really talk about, like, plot and we didn't really talk no, about, No, it's like- fine, though. I think it's, <laughs> like, like it, it's weird because what you were talking about with it being slow, I think it felt slow because they had to do so much exposition before they could get to the that's main true. story. I think that's, that's why true. it felt slow. And if they'd actually taken more time to kind of set up the story and then do the exposition, they it would have felt less slow, weirdly. No, that's a good point. And uh, I'm I'm excited to get more of these characters. I am. Right? Like, I'm excited to see more of Cersei, even, and definitely more Kingo, even more Sprite, um, but especially, like, Thena, Makari, and Druig. Like, yeah. I loved Makari and Druig. I was like, yeah. you guys are so cute. This is the this is the romance that felt very like lived in and believable, even though we barely like got any of it. The moments between them were so palpable and sweet. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Right. Okay, so what are we doing? What are you up to? Um, well, if you want a much longer, much more in-depth conversation around the Wheel of Time finale, <laughs> you can head over to Tarval and Our Bust, which is the reread project uh, podcast that I am co-hosting with Jen Northington. We are in the midst of New Spring right now, which is a prequel novel to the series. Um, it's fun. Then you can also pre-order my Spider-Man book that's coming out this summer. It comes out July 2022. I think July 12th. Uh, it's called Spider-Man Social Dilemma. It is the first book in a trilogy. It's super cute. And it is, you know, you can just pre-order wherever wherever you get your books. I think Barnes & Noble might still be having their 20% off pre-order sale too. So Oh, I are... thought it ended on the 28th. Oh, did it end? Okay. Well, then just kidding. But pre-ordered anyway. <laughs> They'll do. They maybe they'll do it again. Um, and then, lastly, I have a short black cat story coming out in oh the Women of Marvel issue that comes out this March. So you should definitely pre-order that one from your local comic book store. I am still recapping Star Trek Prodigy for um, um, for Star Trek.com. I really, I really like this show. If you like this, if you enjoy the Star Wars cartoons, I really like Rebels, Clone Wars. I really think you should give this show a chance. It started off a little bit slow, but it has, it's, it's just fantastic. The team building, the world building, the, I mean, it is like up there with, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not like there's Star Trek and there's Star Trek for kids. It's just, it's just good Star Trek. Um, and then once Picard comes back in March, I will also be recapping that for Star Trek.com. So excited to do that for season two. Still got my Wired column um, writing there twice a month about video games. Um, I am on TikTok as at Swapna underscore Krishna. And I am doing science and space related videos. So if you're interested in that, come follow me over there. And then I was on the Engadget podcast last week to talk about the J the JWST, the big new um, space observatory. Um, and yeah, so check that out. What are we into? So what are we, what are we, ha what are we spending our time on? So uh, coincidentally, yes, Swapna and I are both playing guardians of the galaxy right now on the, on the PlayStation. Um, I love it. I think it's super fun. <laughs> it's fantastic. I actually wrote a Wired column about it. It's a very linear game, and usually mm -hmm. I shy away from those, but in this case, it's refreshing because I'm like, sometimes I just don't want to talk to a goddamn NPC to get a quest. <laughs> I just I just want the story, and they do a really good job of that. The voice acting is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The banter and the scripting is hilarious. So funny. Um, It's really, really, really well done. I'm it very much enjoying it. Somebody told me it was short, but I feel like this game is much longer than I thought it was. Like, it's not like, like, it's not, uh, like Witcher 3 long or like, you know, anything that, but it is a surprising amount of time, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I think because it's linear, it feels longer than like a game because it has the same amount of narrative as a 50 hour game, but 50 hour game, 30 of those hours, you're running around doing fetch quests. True, true. So I think it, it feels longer I think it's probably like 25 hours, but it feels longer than maybe it is and not in a bad way. Like it feels like a good game. Like I don't feel like I was, I don't feel like I finished with it and was like, oh, that game was short. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we were talking about Jedi Fallen Order earlier, which that game felt short. Yeah. There should have right? been at least one more planet in there. Like that game felt like a short game. This one feels like also it feels longer. And also the story is surprising. Yeah. Like it doesn't, 
take you it's it's not something like I feel like when you read a lot and when you watch a lot and when you ingest a lot of story, you get an instinct for how narratives might work. And this one is sort of like subverting those expectations pretty consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I think they don't want you to be able to guess where it was going to go. And they did a good job of that. Yeah. Like I genuinely don't know how this game is going to end. Like I, yeah. I, I just, I don't. Um, but it is, it's, it was on, I got it because it was on sale at the yes. PlayStation store. I think I'm, like either you told me it was on sale or I told you it was on sale. It was one of the two, yeah. I bought it at the same time. Because <laughs> it was like 15 bucks or something. Yeah. It was like super cheap. Um, so if it's still on sale, highly recommend yeah. picking it up. It's, it's just a really enjoyable, like exciting game. Um, in terms of what else am I doing, I am like I said, still doing my like epic DC comics binge. Like there's just so much good stuff. I love it a lot. Uh, and I started, okay. Speaking of subverting narrative expectations, I started watching ER for the first time. Cause it's on HBO max. Can I tell you, like, have you watched ER? No. I mean, I know the characters and right. I know, but I never like watched it week to week. Yeah. I was like too young. I think yeah. it started in like 94, right? And I was, I, I, I've always been a little squeamish about blood. And so. Uh, it's, it is surprising to me because I love medical procedurals. Like mm -hmm. I watched House. Like I, I watched like all, like Grey's Anatomy is the one that I have not seen because I just don't, whatever. Um, but I've, there's a ton of medical procedures, procedurals I've watched. I really enjoy them all. ER subverts my narrative expectations. Like I genuinely couldn't not tell you if a patient's going to live or die. I couldn't tell you scene to scene what is coming next because the tonal shifts are so bizarre. And it is like for its time, big caveat, for its time, surprisingly progressive. Okay. But let's tell the story about how I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that Michael Crichton created ER. Yeah, so Brittany texted me and our friend Eric on our like little group text. And she's like, am I the only person who didn't know that Michael Crichton created ER? And Eric and I are kind of like, yes. Because like that was huge news back in the day. I was, to be fair, I, was, I was like a Michael Crichton super fan. So like I was yeah. aware of everything he was doing. But still. <laughs> Did not know this. I didn't know Michael Crichton created it. And I didn't know freaking James Newton Howard did the score. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> and so I'm, like, having, a, like, these 20, no, right? 28-year-old, like, info bomb drops. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, we've known. <laughs> yep. Yep. Did you know? Yep. Like, I'm yep. so sorry. But anyways, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Like, I understand how this became the biggest television show in the world. Mm -hmm. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to end it there because I don't want to go, go on at great length about everything else. <laughs> um, I am the one thing I uh, has that has been, like, consuming all my time for the last few days is uh, Horizon Forbidden West. It's a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. I, it's not out till the 18th of February, but I got an early or 18th or 19th and I got an early review code. And that is literally all I can say. I am under such heavy embargo for this. <gasps> like, I can't tell you if you I'm enjoying it. I can't tell you if I can say I have the game. That is all I can say. All right. 
That like literally like that is I all was, I can say. I was about to ask questions and I was yeah. like, oh no, I can't. But I, can't ask uh, I am really excited to talk about it on our next episode uh, because I have a lot to say. Um, but uh, yeah, I cannot give you even give you impressions of whether I like it or not. But uh, we can uh, yeah. talk about this next thing though. Yes. Okay. So there is a Roland Emmerich movie coming out. Friday, and if you are not familiar with Roland Emmerich, he did like Independence Day, and like he like does these like huge disaster movies. So he has this movie Moonfall coming out, um, and it's like, what if the moon crashed into the Earth? Um, <laughs> and I got to see it. The studio very kindly set up a solo screening for me at a the- a local theater, so I'd feel comfortable seeing it. So I saw it on Monday, and it is fantastic. I have an article coming out about it on Slate, the science of the movie and interviewed some really interesting people for it. So I hope you'll check it out. But I do, if you, if there is a way for you to safely see this movie, uh, I highly, and you like disaster movies or space movies or both like me, I highly recommend it because it was <laughs> it's like Halle Berry and it's a blast. <laughs> like Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson. And it is really fun. I mean, I like both of them. Yes. I love Independence Day, obviously. Yes. Like, I think you would even enjoy this movie. I like, you're like not I a would. huge space movie person, but mm-hmm. like, I think you would really like the, the disaster movie part of this. No, it sounds really fun and yeah. silly. And yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it at some point. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we are part of the Hard Knock Live Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C for nerds of color. Um, thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Meredith and Reed at the $12 level, and An- Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Not Family, Priya, Keshav, Kavitha, and Ruth at the $5 level. Uh, you can join us at Patreon at patreon.com slash Girls. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Girls. I am at runwithskizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. I am at S. Krishna. And until next time. We'll see you. We'll see you in, in hell. hell.